Uh, I want you to turn to two different passages, Luke chapter 24. I am diverting from uh, the the book of James just for today. Uh, Next week, we'll get back into James. I have either just one or two weeks left in the book of James, and then we're going to start a new series in November called Detached, and uh, then we're going to move into a series in uh, December, end of November, into December for Advent. And so um, today, a special message, very short, very brief, very simple message, but I think it's a very powerful word uh, for us to hear, especially in light of our celebration today. Uh, and where God is moving us forward. And so I want to look at two passages, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. This is the, at the very end of the gospel of Luke. Um, and, and if you know anything, Luke and Acts, uh, if you know, Luke wrote both books. Uh, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. And then Acts is a continuation of the ministry uh, during the time of the disciples, the apostles, after Jesus ascends. And so, so we're going to look at Luke chapter 24, then we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 1, and there's a lot of similarities because Luke is the author of both books. And so looking at Luke chapter 24, uh, beginning in verse, just one verse, verse 49, it says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here This is Jesus speaking, stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And then look at Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, okay? So Jesus in Luke tells the disciples, I want you to stay where you're at, I want you to remain here in Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. Promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait for that. So then we look in Acts chapter 1. Again, Luke is the author, a continuation of what's happening. Verse 12, chapter 1. Then the apostles, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room. So they watched Jesus ascend. They went up to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. And then here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Everyone catch that? All right. All right, I want you to remember that because I'm going to ask you when service is over if you got all those names, all right? I'm just kidding, just kidding. Verse 14, look at what they, they all met together and they were constantly, this is key, this is important, they were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Later on in Acts, we, we discover that there were several meeting in that upper room, several outside of just the apostles and, and, and Mary and a few others. There were several that were gathering together, about 120 that are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost. And so I, I want you to keep that in mind. They are waiting for the promise of the Father, and what are they doing while they're waiting? They are praying, and they are constantly united in prayer. Uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray in these next few minutes uh, that we share together this morning, help me to speak your word with boldness, with clarity, with simplicity. God, help me to decrease so that you would increase and be the focus of our attention together today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I am really going to talk fast this morning. So hopefully, hopefully you can listen fast. If you're tired, you shouldn't fall asleep because I'm going to I'm going to zoom through this quickly today. Today is a special day at Glad Tidings. Um, all across uh, all across uh, about three counties. Uh, today, um, in, as I mentioned already, Hartford City is celebrating their first day as a congregation. They're launching. Today is, is brand, a brand new day for them. Today we're celebrating uh, our one-year anniversary. And now Glad Tidings, the Muncie campus, has now entered into, believe it or not, their 101, uh, 101 however you say that, <laughs> um, uh, they're now one in, 101 years old. And so we have a, this is a great day celebrating all across many campuses, Muncie, Dunkirk, and Hartford City. And what's very interesting is that we're continuing to witness God's 
vision for glad tidings become a reality. Uh, I said it a few times before. Uh, I haven't talked a lot about it, uh, but one of the things that we believe God is, is, in terms of the vision that God has given us as a church, is, is something that we're calling ECI 8. Um, we, we believe that God has equipped us and is, is resourcing us uh, to not just have a church in Muncie, not just have a church in, uh, in, in Dunkirk, and not just have a church in Hartford City, but several counties. Believe it or not, in, in, in the eight counties that are kind of uh, in, this, in this realm, Adams County, Wells, uh, Jay, uh, Blackford, Delaware, um, there's three more, uh, Randolph County, Wayne County, and um, missing one, but um, doesn't matter. Uh, there's eight counties. Uh, I can tell you those later, but in those eight counties, there's 212,000 people that are unchurched. 212,000 people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I don't think we're called just to sit back and wait for Christ to return. We're, we're supposed to be active. We're supposed to, as we've been work, looking at in the book of James, uh, we are called to have a living faith, a faith that is not dead, a faith that is alive. And, and so one of the reasons we believe, we believe that God is not calling us just to, to stay put in Muncie or stay put here in Dunkirk, but we believe that God has given us this vision to continue to see, uh, continue to reach those who, uh, who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This vision won't be carried out by just the Muncie campus, but all campuses uh, are going to be an integral part of that. Um, reaching those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, sending workers into the harvest field. You know, I'm praying and believing, yes, I, I would love to see additional people come here, but we also want to send people out of this church that have a calling, that feel like they're called to go maybe to another county, another place, to take the gospel uh, eventually to the ends of the earth. And we're witnessing this expansion and multiplication of God's kingdom here on earth. Now, um, first birthdays are very unique. Um, some of you, I don't know if anybody in this room remembers your first birthday. Maybe you remember the first birthday with your kid or your grandchildren. Um, the only way that I remember my first birthday is through movies, um, uh, home videos. Um, I have to go back and watch because I have no recollection of what happened uh, 32 years ago uh, on my first birthday. But I'm pretty sure looking at home videos... Um, that, that we had a cookie monster theme uh, to, to my first birthday. So that was a special day. And may, maybe some of you in this room can remember uh, your kids or your grandkids' first birthday. Maybe you had a very special theme. It's, a, it's an exciting time, and it's, a, it's an exciting celebration in light of everything that is taking place. If you think about the first year of your kid's life or your grandkid's life, um, there's a lot of changes that happen in that first year. Um, they start to smile. They start to sit up. They start to giggle. They start to, uh, to sleep through the night. Amen? Um, hopefully, hopefully by the time you get to that point that's happening. Um, they crawl. They scoot. They begin to cruise across the room. They eat real people food, not that nasty stuff that, that they, I don't know, the, the baby food. Uh, there's some of that, that that is just disgusting looking, doesn't smell great at all. Uh, when they start mixing like peas and grapes and cherry, all of those weird you know, stuff together just doesn't sound appetizing whatsoever. Then they start eating, you know, real people food, mashed potatoes, um, throw a little bit of gravy on there as well. But my favorite part of the celebration is always the cake, um, and the, the, with not necessarily just eating the cake, but when your child's one and you stick them in the high chair, what do you do? You put a big, massive cake in front of them, and hopefully, you know, they, they go to town on it. Now, I, I'm pretty sure, I, I, I don't know if it was Eden or Iris, uh, Eden was sick at her first birthday, so it wasn't quite as exciting. We didn't have quite the buildup that we were hoping for. I mean, we're expecting our kid to be be like covered in, in, in cake and, and just going at it. Um, but she was sick and just kind of let it sit there. And we're like, this is not what, you know, we had a build up to this and this is not what we expected. But, but there's an excitement involved uh, at that first birthday because after all of those milestones, after all of those changes, you get to a point 
where you are now expecting something great to happen as you watch them devour that cake. Any of you remember that? Um, either, maybe, maybe even at your 30th or 32nd birthday, maybe you're still devouring the cake. I don't know, like a one-year-old, maybe some of you do that. That's okay, that's all right. That's, I won't say it's abnormal, um, but, but it's an exciting celebration, exciting time, and there's always a lot of planning that goes into that. Um, maybe there's a theme that you have. Maybe it's dinosaurs. Maybe it's uh, for us. I think one of our kids, it was Pete the Cat. Um, you know, it might be Disney. Might, whatever it may be, I think you can recall the exciting buildup. I think you just had a, it wasn't for a first birthday, but you had a celebration with Toy Story. Um, and so there's always a lot of planning that is involved in that you invite family, you open presents for them. And usually what happens, uh, this is how it was for our kids, but they were more interested in the cardboard boxes <laughs> than they were the actual present. Anybody, anybody have that same experience? So uh, if you haven't had kids yet, my recommendation is at their one-year birthday, just get them boxes. Don't spend all the money and get them some other gift. They don't care about the gift. All they care about is the empty box that they can play with, all right? Lots of pictures, lots of moments that are captured in that celebration. Today, we get to celebrate our first birthday as a congregation here in Dunkirk. We're going to have a cake reception. I hope nobody devours. I hope you don't stick your head in the cake, all right? But we're going to have a time where we celebrate together. We're going to have a cake reception We're going to capture these special moments via video, and you got to see the first year, year and a half of what God has been doing on video. We're going to reflect on the past year of ministry and God's faithfulness here at Glad Tidings Church. This first year was certainly full of some pretty significant milestones as a church. We launched our first service over over a year ago or a year ago with over 100 in attendance. Several gave their heart to Christ and have continued to rededicate their life to him uh, we, you saw the picture of the child dedication. Uh, we got to dedicate, Lena was one of those. We got to dedicate her uh, in a service here together. We had our groundbreaking service with several in attendance. We got to have our first baptism on the church property. That was a very special moment. Um, and, and, and let me tell you, one of the most, uh, as a pastor, one of the most special moments for me was, was being a, a part of that service, being able to see uh, both young and old give their heart to Christ and be able to then, um, in, in a public fashion, declare before us all what God is doing in their heart and in their life. Very special moment. Got to break ground. We got to turn over dirt. Um, That was a special moment. And then we got to wait for more dirt to be turned over by bigger machines, not just shovels. Uh, Opportunities to connect with the the community. Yesterday, we had the fall festival, a beautiful time, great celebration. Uh, We've got to serve with, uh, we've had chances to serve with uh, the secret families of Jake County. A lot of opportunities uh, to connect with people in the community. Uh, Several youth, uh, we just started our youth events and some first Wednesday events. There's a lot of competitive people in this room, just so you know. Um, and, and so that's okay. That's, that's allowed. Uh, and we got to work on, uh, we get to see the work on the new church building as well in the midst of kind of a pandemic. Um, and, and so some incredible milestones that have unfolded over the last, uh, last year. So much has happened in one year. And there is so much more to look forward to in the years ahead. But I want you to hear this. I'm talking fast enough, but I want you to hear this. But this is not the time to become stagnant, comfortable, or lazy. We must consider the demeanor and attitude of the disciples just prior to the birth of the church. I want to just paint this picture for you, and I really only have like five or six minutes, so I'm going to have to really give this to you quickly this morning. Um, But I want you to consider their demeanor, the disciples, just before the the birth of the church. Before we get to Acts chapter 2, they had witnessed some of the greatest events in history. They witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus, they witnessed his resurrection, and they also Many of them witnessed his ascension when he returned to heaven. And finally, many of them got to see Jesus even in multiple appearances after his resurrection. This was certainly a unique time for this group of Christ followers. 
They were instructed then, and so I want you to consider, it was a very unique time for them, but they were instructed by Jesus to wait, as we read in our text, for the promise of the Father. Luke chapter 24, I'm gonna read it again. Verse 49 says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and he fills you with power from on high. I want you to take notice that the call to wait for the promise of the Father, listen to this, it was not a passive, it was not a call to be passive until the promise came true. Nor was it a challenge to make this event happen on their own terms. Jesus wasn't saying, just go sit and do nothing. And he also wasn't saying to the disciples, I want you to try to make this, this event, I want you to try to, to make this happen on your own terms or in your own way. He said, I want you to go and I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, but waiting implied doing. And, and what, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to be praying and waiting for the promise of the Father to become a reality. So instead, instead of just sitting back and waiting for things to unfold, they were in one accord praying, waiting for the promise of the Father. We read uh, in Acts chapter one, verse 14, they all met together. They were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women and the brothers of Jesus. And, and, and we read uh, later on uh, in Acts chapter two, one of the things that the apostles devoted themselves to, not only to the, the preaching of the word, not only to the fellowship, but they also devoted themselves to what? To prayer. Prayer was a key part of the growth, the birth, the growth, and, and the continual growth of the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit would then come, fill these believers, and the church would begin to grow at multi, uh, and multiply at rapid rates. I want you to hear this. We're now a year old, and we have much to be thankful for and to celebrate. But now is not the time to settle in and get comfortable, but instead we must take on, I want you to hear this, the posture of the disciples who waited for the promise of the Father and saw incredible growth and movement of the gospel. So what is this posture? I just want to share three things with you. Um, if you want to know more beyond this, uh, you can talk to me later, but, but I want to give this to you quickly. If you're a note taker, uh, you're going to want to jot these down pretty quickly this morning. Number one, what's the posture of a disciple who waits for the promise of the Father? Number one, and this is very simple. We must be a congregation that makes prayer a priority. Prayer was the catalyst that turned the first century upside down. If you read through the book of Acts, you will see that people received the Holy, that people were praying, and as a result, they received the Holy Spirit. Miracles were accomplished. People were healed. Entire communities were transformed. Lives were changed and transformed, not because uh, somebody had some special gift or, or unique ability to, to, to preach a sermon. Yes, there were some powerful preachers. Yes, there was some great orators in the day, but it was not their, their preaching ability that brought about change and transformation. It was a group of people. They were constantly united in prayer, and as a result of that, change began to happen, not just in individual lives, but entire communities. Uh, you, you, the, the church at Philippi started small group of ladies. Um, they started uh, meeting together. Uh, if you read uh, in Acts, you will see uh, you have a jailer that is converted. And again, Paul and Silas, they were in prison. What were they doing? They were singing and praying to the Lord. And so change began to happen as a result of God's people praying. There's a statement, a guy by the name of Scott uh, says this, something happens, I've said this before, and it's uh, not, um, I, I think it makes sense to us here. Something happens when we pray that doesn't happen when we don't pray. Uh, we serve a God who does some incredible things. When we pray, uh, it doesn't always make sense. We're not sure how things kind of come together, but something happens when we pray that doesn't happen when God's people are not praying. Prayer was more than just a, an event that took place occasionally or an activity that was added on to the end of the day. It was an ongoing communion with the creator, with the purpose of knowing him better and accomplishing his purposes. So I, I wanna challenge us as a congregation this morning. Let's make a commitment to become people who pray without seeing, to see God's vision become a reality and to witness the salvation of the 1,400, 13,000 or for the impossible to be done. It begins with God's people praying. 
We have to be people who are united in prayer. And I, I just don't want to say this and then move on and, and move on to something else next week. I want us to make sure that we are committing ourselves, not just as individuals, but as a congregation, knowing that something powerful happens when God's people are united in prayer. We see it in Acts. The world is turned upside down. Communities are changed because God's people were praying, seeking his will, seeking to do the will of the Father. I want us to be known as a church that prays constantly. Number two, we must be a congregation, which you hear this, that relies on the power of of the Holy Spirit. The first disciples in the early church depended heavily upon the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. They didn't depend just upon their own gifts, their own strengths. They relied upon the Holy Spirit working in them and through them to bring about change. As they were praying, they were also praying and depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to work. The first disciples in the early church, they depended upon that heavily. Uh, We see in in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, in order for them, Jesus says, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. And he says, you will be witnesses when you receive power from on high, and you're going to be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. They, they depended on the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate the word of God boldly. Uh, they, they depended on the Holy Spirit to keep their focus on things that were eternal rather than things that were temporary. If you read in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being martyred and it says a man who is full of the Holy Spirit and he is getting ready to breathe his last, but he's able to focus on that which is eternal rather than focusing on the pain and the suffering he's experiencing in the present. Why? Because his dependence was on the Holy Spirit, not in his own strength, not in his own gifts. We see in Acts chapter 8 that they depended upon the Holy Spirit to know where, where God was leading them and directing them. Philip um, knew where to go because he was listening to the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. And then we see that they depended on the Holy, they depended on the Holy Spirit uh, to commission them and send them out. Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, uh, they lay hands upon them, they pray over them. And it says in Acts chapter 13, verse four, that the Holy Spirit commissioned them or send them out to go and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. In our individualistic kind of Americanized context, we have this tendency to rely more on our own gifts and our own strength and our own efforts and less on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, I'm not denying anybody. I, I pray and hope that all of us in this room, we all have gifts that God's given us. We all have abilities and strengths that we are to use, but we cannot depend solely upon those and neglect the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. If we're going to see change, if we're going to see transformation, if we're going to see 1,400, 13,000, 212,000 come to know Christ, we have to be people who are united in prayer and people who are depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Because from a human perspective to reach that many people to see that kind of change from a human perspective it's impossible but with God it is possible and so I want us to be a church I don't want us to become stagnant and say man what a great year we had and great things are happening yes that's great and, and we need to celebrate that and I want to celebrate God's faithfulness but as we continue to move forward I want us to be a congregation that is constantly united in prayer a church that is depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us so that we can see the change that God wants to see happen in this church and in this community so I want us to make a commitment to rely on the Holy Spirit to come. And finally, we must be a congregation that recognizes that the Lord is the one who brings growth. Yvonne, you can go ahead and come this morning. Um, It wasn't the disciples, and this is probably the quickest message I will ever give, just so you know, all right? (laughs) Some of you are like, yes, he's quick today, he's short. Um, It wasn't the disciples, I want you to hear this, it wasn't the disciples that added to the fellowship. You read through Acts, you will see that 3,000 people, 5,000 people. Um, keep reading through Acts. It said that the Lord continued to add 
to their numbers or to their fellowship daily. It was the Lord that was bringing about their growth. Acts chapter 2, verse 47, in each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Sometimes it's very easy to, to get clouded and confused and think, you know, it's my responsibility to cause the growth. It's my responsibility to cause the change in somebody's life. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you, maybe you know somebody. Maybe it's a son, a daughter. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor that, that isn't serving Christ right now. And I, I've been in this position before and, and, and you want to do everything you can to cause the change in that person's life. And guess what? We're not the one that can change somebody's hearts. What, we do have a responsibility though. We serve, number one, we serve a God that can change somebody's heart. And number two, we're called to, to pray on their behalf. To, we're called to intercede on their behalf. We're called to depend on the Holy Spirit to work in their life, to bring them to a place where they recognize their need of God. We are called not to, we're not the ones that add or cause the growth. Instead, we do have a responsibility. Number one, we're supposed to plant seeds. And number two, we're supposed to water those seeds that have already been planted. And so when you have conversations with people that don't, know, that don't know Christ, one of the things that you may be doing is you may be planting a seed, a seed that then maybe somebody else will come along and speak into that person's life and that seed will begin to get watered. And as the Holy Spirit is working in their life, as we depend on him, as we pray, as we seek God's direction, the Holy Spirit can do some pretty amazing things. The church, the people of God, we are his instruments by which God's message of hope is proclaimed. And we must be faithful servants who recognize our responsibility to do what? To plant seeds to water seeds and then listen to this to trust god to bring about the growth sometimes even as a pastor that can be hard that can be challenging you know i i can try to think of ways you know maybe i need to do this better maybe i need to talk longer or shorter maybe you know i need to change this strategy here i need to do this here and strategies and plans are important and good but we have to at the end of the day we have to trust god to bring about the growth Trust God to bring about the change in somebody's heart. We are called to be faithful to what God has called us to. He's called us to be people who pray. He's called us to be people who know that we are on mission. Every single day we are called to share the hope of the gospel. Would you stand with me this morning? Just close your eyes for just a minute. I told the, the kids and the teachers that I would be done at 1130. That's why I was shooting for that. And they're probably now trying to corral them all <laughs> again. Um, just close your eyes for just a moment. just want to close a few words. Very simple message, very quick message this morning, but I think it's a very vital message for us as a congregation. It's very easy to settle in. It's very easy to get comfortable. It's very easy to look back on this past year and say, wow, look at what God has done and look at all of these things that have happened and how great this has been. And we should do that. We need to celebrate what God has done, but we also need to make sure that we don't become stagnant. We don't get comfortable, but instead we recognize that we are still called to be on mission for Jesus. And in order to see lives, communities, individuals, families changed and transformed. We need to be people who are constantly united in prayer, people who depend on the power of the Holy Spirit and people, congregation that recognizes God is the one who will bring about growth. I want to end with this statement and then I'm going to pray. A church that prays depends solely upon the Holy Spirit and expects God to bring growth is a life-giving church that will witness God do, listen, exceedingly, 
and abundantly all we could ever ask or imagine. I'm not just saying that, I believe that. I believe that if we as a congregation continue to commit ourselves to prayer, if we continue to commit ourselves to being people of his word, we commit ourselves to being people who depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us individually and corporately, I truly believe, and I'm not just saying this, but I truly believe that we will see God do exceedingly and abundantly all we could ever ask or imagine. With your eyes closed this morning, how many would just commit with me to, be, to being a congregation who is united in prayer, a congregation that depends on the power of the Holy Spirit and a congregation that recognizes God will bring about the growth. Just by an upraised hand, how many would commit to be that individual, but that congregation with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the chance to be in your presence together today. And Lord, we recognize that we can plan all we want. God, we can have all the strategies in the world, but we recognize, God, that we have to trust you We have to trust you, depend on you to work and move in people's hearts and lives. God, we have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives and know, God, that sometimes you are working and moving in ways that we can't even see, ways that we can't even imagine. Lord, I pray as a congregation that you would help us to be people of prayer, people who depend on your Holy Spirit to work and move in us, people who recognize that we're called to water, we're called to plant seeds, but God, you are the one that's gonna bring about growth in our life. Help us, God, to not become stagnant. Help us not to become comfortable. Help us not to become lazy. Yes, we want to celebrate your goodness and your faithfulness and what you've done, but God, as we move forward, we want to be the church that you've called us to be because we want to see, Lord, this community, this county, we want to see lives changed and transformed for the sake of the kingdom, God. So, Lord, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Would you just sing this song?